Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. We're going to look at the word of God today. We're going to look at our role in our community by looking at a very interesting and powerful story from the book of 2 Chronicles. So would you take your Bible and turn to 2 Chronicles. We will be taking a communion at the end of service today before we're dismissed. Don't want you to miss that as well as tonight because many of our, uh, we have a lot of people serving in the morning time in various roles and they don't get to take communion with us if we only do it in the morning time. So we'll be doing that tonight as well. Second Chronicles chapter 29. We're going to read just two scriptures here together. We will pray and then we will look at the, amplifi- the, the effects of this uh, scripture. What it's really talking about together. As we look at the Christian citizen today, chapter 29, verse 1 and 2, let's take a look. Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right. He did what? What was right. Good in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. Father, we're asking you to come speak to us today. Quicken us, Lord, to what you're saying. Give me an ability to communicate from your word. In Jesus' name. Come on, just ask the Lord to speak to you today. God, we open our ears, we open our heart to receive what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us. May this word affect every person that hears and the generations after us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. This being an election week, I wanted to draw our attention to some of our history and the significance of this book, which is not like any other book in in our library, at our home, in schools. This book is different. One of the things that I emphasize to children, been ministering to children for quite some time, and I lead our preteen ministry, which is fifth and sixth graders. When I'm not in here, I'm generally upstairs leading that. And one of the things I emphasize to them is the significance of this book and how it's different than any other book they will ever read. It's not just stories. It's God-breathed word to you and I. It is truth. And our nation was built upon this book. The principles that are laid out in here, right and wrong. And let's take a look at some of the things our former leadership president said. George Washington, our first president, said it is impossible to rightly govern a nation without God and the Bible. John Adams was our second president. 
said the general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. I will avow that I then believed and now believe that those general principles of Christianity are as eternal and immutable as the existence and attributes of God. These are the first leaders of our nation. When our nation was founded, it was seen as a Christian nation based on the truth of God's word, the Bible. Do you remember reading about those things in school? It wouldn't be a recent history book unless you intentionally bought books for your children that were Christian based. But if you let someone else choose the history books for your children to read, then it doesn't mention these things. In fact, they're rewriting history to such a point that our children don't know the foundation of our nation. Did somebody choose the history book your children are reading? It's a good question. In my house, we homeschool our kids, and even though the state releases monies for homeschool families to get their curriculums, we intentionally purchase additional curriculums that center on God's Word for our children, my children to read. You might consider doing the same. Andrew Jackson, our seventh president, said, the Bible is the rock on which our republic rests. Woodrow Wilson, the 28th president, said, America was born a Christian nation America was born to exemplify the elements of righteousness, which are derived from the elements of holy scripture. Calvin Coolidge, 30th president. The foundations of our society and our government rest so much on the teachings of the Bible that it would be difficult to support them if faith in these teachings would cease to be practically universal in our country. Henry Truman. 33rd president, the fundamental basis of this nation's law was given to Moses on the mount. The fundamental basis of our Bill of Rights comes from the teachings which we get from Exodus and Matthew, from Isaiah and St. Paul. George Washington, on his uh, inauguration, one of the most profound moments in our history, is what he did during his inauguration in New York City, the very first thing that he did was lead a procession to a chapel and had a four-hour prayer meeting. Made a covenant with the living God between the United States and him and, the, and God. In fact, you may be interested to know that that chapel is one of the few remaining buildings after 9-11. It was not impacted by the destruction that happened on 9-11. You cannot read the Constitution of the United States and not see biblical truth. 1984 political scientists performed a study of what shaped the thinking of our founding fathers. They discovered that one-third 
of their writing and speech was this book, Scripture. William McGuffey wrote a book that was used. It was called the McGuffey Reader. It was used for over 100 years in American schools as the primary textbook. And this is what he wrote. The Christian religion is the religion of our country. From it are derived our nation on the character of God, the great moral governor of the universe. On its doctrines are founded the peculiarities of our free institutions. From no source has this author drawn more conspicuously than from the sacred scriptures. From all these extracts of the Bible, I make no apology. One more, from Harvard University in its founding documents of 1936. Here's an excerpt from the student handbook. It says, let every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well the main end of his life and studies is to, ready, know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life, and therefore to lay Christ in the bottom as the only foundation of all sound knowledge and learning. And seeing the Lord only giveth wisdom, let everyone seriously set himself by prayer in secret to seek it of him. 19, or excuse me, 1636, Harvard University. Doesn't really sound like America today, does it? We've come along, we've, we've moved a long way from orientation of God's word to where what we see today doesn't even somewhat resemble it. There's a few things about our nation today that should disturb us as Christians, and I'm quite certain they do. They disturb me. They move away from biblical truth to sociological law. What does that refer to? Whatever people decide is right and wrong, that's what is right and wrong. That's where we have moved to in our laws. And may I say, just because something is passed as a law doesn't make it right. I'm personally uh, baffled that I would somehow be persuaded to vote for someone by how bad they made someone else look. Is that really what's supposed to get us to vote for someone? No longer their personal integrity, track record. Now it's how bad can they make somebody else look so you don't vote for them. Our political mail comes in billboard size now in your mailbox. Anybody get the little key in their box and they have to open the bigger box to get a, a, a big piece of political mail out? I'm exaggerating a little bit. We got a big pile this week. It worked, it worked really good to start up the grill. I was amazed at how vicious it was. I thought, what are we doing here? I'm casting my vote on someone 
uh, with integrity and someone with principles and someone that will work on my behalf, not someone who's a finger pointer. Oh, they're a better finger pointer. Vote for them. Is anybody else mystified at what has happened here? In our nation today, it's hard to know what to believe. You need Holy Ghost discernment when you're listening to the news of any origin, right? What is this? Today, it leads us to today's scriptures because we find ourselves as a nation and as a people in a similar situation to what has happened as the foundation and backdrop of this text we read today. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. Uh, Because Hezekiah finds himself in a situation similar to what you and I live in today. And there is hope for you, your family, for Alaska, for the United States. We can have a great revival. We can have a transformed society and nation. The people to make that happen are sitting right here today. It's you and me. We have the ability to turn things for our neighborhood, for our city, for our family. And we're gonna look at Hezekiah's leadership today as the concluding message for the Christian citizen. Do you see yourself as an impact in this community? Do you see yourself as a force for good, for truth, for the kingdom of God in our community? You should. You absolutely affect people wherever you go. And you can affect them even more. Let's take a look at Hezekiah's leadership. The backdrop. So if you roll back in your Bible, you'll see that uh, in, let me just kind of help you with what Chronicles is. Chronicles is a uh, breakdown of which king ruled when over Israel and Judah. The nation of Israel had been divided after Solomon's reign. The judgment on Solomon brought a split into the nation of Israel into two parts. There's a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. Israel and Judah were the two names of those. And they had turned far from the Lord. And because they had turned far from the Lord, serving other gods, putting idols up around the nation, it invited the nation of Assyria to come conquer them. And Assyria was a horrible, evil nation, brutal, evil nation. And they had come, this is the backdrop that we find this story. They had come and they had taken over and conquered the northern kingdom, Israel. And they were beginning to turn their sights now on the southern kingdom, Judah. And the king over Judah was Ahaz. This is chapter 28. He was an evil king. He led the nation to turn farther and farther away 
from the living God. And as a result, the entire nation was worshiping idols, making sacrifices to idols. They had entered into full-on paganism. No truth being expressed, no worship of the living God. Right and wrong had been flipped upside down. They were so deep into paganism, they didn't know right from wrong any longer. Their children and their children's children were, it was common for them to grow up worshiping a statue. Many of them never heard there is one true God who is good, the living God. And then something significant happens where we find the text that we read today. A new king had been crowned. Ahaz's son. Ahaz was evil. But somebody told Hezekiah of the, about the living God and the true worship. And a miraculous event happens in the life of Israel that we're going to look at right here. One of the most amazing deliverances that happened to Israel is in the next few sections of Scripture as a result of Hezekiah's impact on the nation, on the, on the kingdom of Judah. Let's take a look at that. What was it that Hezekiah did that turned the nation around and brought about a great deliverance? Because Assyria was turning now towards their Judah and their coming. Take a look at verse three. In the first month of the first year of his reign, he opened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. Under the rule of Ahaz, they closed up the temple and there was no worship happening to, the, to, the, to God. Hezekiah's first act in the first month, reopen those doors and start worshiping the living God. He brought the priests in. Look at this. You want to keep reading. He brought in the priest and the Levites, assembled them in the square on the east side and said, listen to me, Levites. This is a 25-year-old. Consecrate yourselves now and consecrate the temple of the Lord, the God of your fathers. Remove all defilement from the sanctuary. Our fathers were unfaithful. They did evil in the eyes of our Lord, our God, and forsook him. They turned their faces away from the Lord's dwelling place and turned their backs on him. They also shut the doors of the portico and put out the lamps. They did not burn incense or present any burnt offerings at the sanctuary to the God of Israel. Therefore, the anger of the Lord has fallen on Judah and Jerusalem. He's made them an object of dread and horror and scorn, as you can see with your own eyes. This is why our fathers have fallen by the sword and why our sons and daughters and our wives are in captivity. Now I intend to make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, so that his fierce anger will turn away from us. My sons, do not be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before him and serve him, to minister before him and burn incense." What an amazing change happened for all those people and families when he reinstituted and came back to serving the living God, telling everybody, you got it all wrong. We're going to serve the living God. Get yourself together. 
Get rid of all the defilement. We're turning to the living God. That was Hezekiah's leadership. He reestablished the nation's covenant with God. If you flip on over to chapter 31, take a look at this. He led a turn from paganism and a return to the true God. Now it says, verse one, when all this had ended, when all what had ended. So he reinstitutes the Passover, celebrating what God had done, reminding the people, this is what God has done for us. This is who we are. We are children of the most high God. We are the sons and daughters of God. Some of them had never heard that before. So when all this had ended, the Israelites who were there went out to the towns of Judah, smashed the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles. They destroyed the high places and the altars throughout Judah and Benjamin and Ephraim and Manasseh after they had destroyed all of them. The Israelites returned to their own towns and to their own properties. This is an amazing turn for the nation of Judah, for the kingdom of Judah. These people all went out all over their land and anything that didn't represent the living God, they destroyed it. That's the kind of leadership that will turn America. That's the kind of leadership that will turn your family your household. You know, I stand as the gatekeeper of my house. I'm the head of my house and I stand responsible before God for what happens throughout all my family, whatever we own, my children, whatever is presented to them. And I see myself as the gatekeeper. That's what I like to say. And I know clearly that as the leader over my household, this kind of non-negotiable leadership to serve the living God is required because my children, whether they know it or not or realize it or not, every day have some sort of sly propaganda that is being pushed to them to think and believe something different than what this book presents as right and wrong. And make no mistake, the issue of your lifetime and mine is who decides what is right and wrong. That is the issue of every election, of every law that's passed, the real issue is who decides right and wrong. Is it people or is there something more absolute foundational that we can base our decisions on? Is there a creator who put the world in motion and put laws in motion over the natural world, the supernatural world and what is right and wrong? And I am gonna be an advocate for that God over my household. I'm gonna lead my family like Hezekiah did. I'm going to get brutal with defilement. I'm gonna get destructive with things that, that present themselves against the knowledge of God, thoughts and ideas. 
The most powerful thing in our world is ideas. Someone slipping an idea to my children. That idea, if it takes root, will produce something in their life contrary to this, this, this book right here. You and I, over our family, we have an impact. Your sphere of influence, we all have different spheres of influence. And today, over the spheres of influence, if we will operate like Hezekiah, bringing a reorientation to God's word, worshiping the true God, and to, to whatever spheres you have the ability to influence, whether it's on the job, your coworkers, maybe you have employees, maybe you own a business, your neighborhood, your neighbors, the people you encounter every day. Are you a Hezekiah to those people? That is a great question. Do you see yourself as a Hezekiah to those people? Let's go on. Chapter 32. Let's look at what else, what else made Hezekiah so unique for this call upon his life in, the nation, in, the, in, the, in this timeline. Chapter 32, we have a we have a couple of things that happen here in chapter 32. First of all, the Assyrians finally show up. Bum, bum, bum. There they are. Dramatic music. Epic music. Dun, 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 dun. There's fog over the valley, and here they come, moving really slow. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. The Assyrians have shown up. Look what they did to the kingdom of Israel. Run for your life. Anybody watch movies where there's like this epic battle movies? It might just be me. I like epic battle movies. Where they almost lose and somehow they're rescued at the last minute. Uh, anybody a Tolkien reader? I've read a lot of Tolkien books. I have a lot of them. I don't want to get all nerdy right now, but I can. If you're a Tolkien nerdy guy or lady or family, let's go have coffee. Let's get nerdy together over Tolkien. Did I say that right? That may not have sounded right. Sorry. Anyway, J.R.R. Tolkien said, all great stories are really about the fall. You know, that's why we like these stories by which the, good, the evil guys are just about to conquer and something happens. Uh, Latin would be deus ex, deus ex machina, something like that. Anyway, I'm just not even communicating right now, so I'm going to move on. Let's take a look at what else he did. Hezekiah made action with the Assyrians mounting up. Here they come. As Hezekiah looks at how he can protect his nation, and he secured, he did two things. He secured the water. He went out and sent his soldiers to go out and block up all the springs so that the Assyrians could not find water when they came. So they hid all the springs and covered them up. He also built up the 
military, all preserved resources and to protect people. And now take a look at chapter 32, verse 20. He did one more thing that set him apart from all these previous leadership over Judah. And this is where we find our great key right here. Verse 20, King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, cried out in prayer to heaven about this, about the Assyrians. And the Lord sent an angel, an angel. In English, that is telling you there's only one. God sends one angel? Well, if you look at the other references to this story in Isaiah, because it's the same prophet that the, wrote the book of Isaiah, you realize this one angel in one moment killed 185,000 of the enemy soldiers. That's quite a miracle. That's quite a breakthrough for Hezekiah to wake up and look at the way the writer of Chronicles describes it. The Lord sent an angel who annihilated, there's a good battle phrase, annihilated all the fighting men and the leaders and officers in the camp of the Assyrian king. So he withdrew to his own land in disgrace. And when he went to the temple of his God, some of his sons cut him down with the sword. So the Lord saved Hezekiah and the people of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, king of Assyria, and from the hand of all others. He took care of them on every side. What an amazing turn. They turned from paganism. They reinstituted covenant with the living God. And they cried out to God in prayer. And God brought about a great deliverance. Something like that is what we want to have happen in this nation, in this state, in our neighborhood, in our homes, in our personal life. As a Christian citizen, Hezekiah used all his influence to turn every, every person he could to the living God. Do you see yourself as one of those in this community? Have you ever thought about it like that? I went on a vacation just at the beginning of October. I needed to get off the train for a moment. So I did. But I didn't take a vacation from being someone who is ordained by God to infect people around me with God's goodness. So uh, my mother, who might be on right now, don't know, we went to drop some things off at a donation center. And we walk in and I'm standing in this line and, and I vi now I'm visiting, uh, my turn came to visit with the person behind the counter and it was about a lawnmower. My mother had this lawnmower that she wanted to donate to this donate center. So uh, I asked them, do you take lawnmowers? It's never been used, it's brand new, can we bring it? No, we don't take lawn mowers. The person behind me says, I take lawn mowers. How can I have your, how can you give me your lawn mower? So I'm looking at this person who was ecstatic that there was a lawn mower. 
And the first thing that goes through my mind is, this is a setup from the Lord. And it has nothing to do with the lawnmower. The lawnmower is just the connecting to get me to talk to this person. Do you see your day like that? It absolutely can be. You can affect your family and your neighborhood if you're willing to see yourself as a Hezekiah. So I invited this person to come to my mother's house without my mom's permission, which you don't really do now anymore, right? If somebody shows up at your house, you're just like, you know, wary, something's not right. What are they doing at my property? Anyway, so they show up, and I thought, this is absolutely the Lord. Lord, you want to do something. I have no idea what you want to do. I'm not a genius. I'm just trying to serve God the best I can. I want to be a blessing. I'm going to go bless that lady. So they're getting out of their car. I push the lawnmower down there, and as I'm pushing it, I just start declaring God's good to new, goodness to them. I'm so glad you get Big smile. I'm so glad you came to our house. I want to give you this lawnmower. God sent you here today for me to pray for you. Can I pray for you? <laughs> Absolutely. They wanted somebody to pray for them. You know, there's people all around you just like that. I've decided wherever I go, whether it's to eat something or to buy something at a store, get gas, I'm going to smile as big as I can at every person. You know that freaks people out. I think it's hilarious to walk into an establishment of some kind where everybody looks really, really sad. In fact, they look worse than those puppies on those give me your money for my dog videos. It doesn't take much to shine God's goodness to people that are full of depression, no hope, and, and they can't think straight, see straight. Just smile. Make it ultra big, be super, I've decided Whenever I go somewhere, I'm going to be the most excited, happy person they've had all day, and they're going to see something in me they desperately need and don't have. You know that? Well, you can do that. You don't have to be combative to give people the gospel. What are we what are we doing? This story speaks to us. God brought about a great miracle. God can do the same thing in your family, in this community, and in our nation. This story speaks to us. Religious freedom is the greatest inheritance that guards all of our other freedoms. As a citizen of the United States, our greatest freedom is the freedom of religion. First Amendment rights. Are you familiar with the First Amendment? I'm going to read it to you. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of people 
peaceably to assemble and petition the government for a redress of grievances. We absolutely, under the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, have every right to gather here anytime we want to worship the living God in our home, in our business, in our neighborhood, in the park, in this building. It is the greatest privilege we have as an American citizen to gather in worship and the government cannot do one thing about it. Under that, under that amendment, we're not closing our doors ever. We're not. This story speaks to us about how laws must be based on truth and not opinions. Be a Hezekiah. Not only that, vote for people who are a Hezekiah, who are willing to do what is right, people of integrity, people that prioritize people in their needs and seek the Lord for wisdom. We get to do, we get to cast our vote this Tuesday. Not only that, we get to pray. Your voice in prayer matters. Our voice in prayer matters. Pray this week for the right people to be raised up and for corrupt people to be removed. That's our prayer this week, local, state, and federal. God can move despite corrupt voting mysteries. What God is saying to us about being a citizen that affects our whole world around us. Let's believe for and work towards a great revival. Let's believe that God wants to touch Alaska and you and I can bring it about. Let's elect people that hold our values. Connect yourself to the cause. The Great Commission is the cause. There's, a, a, there's, there's people that are freaked out by our new building. They think it has something to do with ego. It has nothing to do with ego. It has everything to do with seeing the harvest and knowing we need a, we need a greater ability to gather people. That's what the building is for. Pastor Daniel uh, called me yesterday to pray for our leadership team. It's gonna lead while he's uh, away. And he was telling me in great exuberance how, how yesterday they had the new sound system on and how epic beautiful it sounded and the lights and the projection and maybe that's not a big deal to you but to those that have linked themselves to the great commission and the vision of this house you don't see it as uh, an ego build. You see it as the next step to accomplish what God wants to do in Alaska. And you see it as your great privilege to be alive and mine, to be alive at this time in history, to usher in what God wants to happen. That's how I see my being in Alaska. Pray... Not only do we need to connect ourselves to the Great Commission, we want to pray for our leaders. And we want to live righteously ourselves. 
That's how we can impact like Hezekiah did into every strata of influence that we might have, including this Tuesday. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Minister Toby, if you could come help us. We're going to take time to pray this morning. We're going to take communion in just a few moments. We have a very significant day on Tuesday. We have an opportunity to cast a vote. If you don't understand the voting style of Alaska, please do some homework. Do some reading. Ask, find out how it works. You should have received something in the mail to help you somewhat break down how this voting works. Not only that, I'm encouraging you, do some homework to find out what these candidates stand for. Do some homework about who are you voting for. Don't go by Republican, Democrat, Independent, Asian, Caucasian, Black. Don't go by that. Go by who's going to have integrity. Make decisions for people. Stand on biblical values. And if you still don't know who to vote for, pray in emergency tongues. Ask for God to help you. I need God's help too. We need a great turnaround in Alaska. You and I can bring that about. Come on, would you lift your hands and would you begin to make intercession for Alaska? Father, we recognize that when we lift our voice, you hear from heaven. So we lift our voice today and we say, oh God, would you intervene? We pray specifically for our city. God, that righteous leadership would be raised up. Hear us today as we cry out for righteous leadership, for ungodly, corrupt leadership to be removed for an undoing of the tentacles of evil that have, that have attempted to destroy the people and the land that we love so very much. God, you have planted us here in Alaska to make a difference, not to just stand, sit by and observe all the way till we go to heaven, but to act, to vote, to speak up, to be a Hezekiah over our family, business, neighborhood, to even on Tuesday, to vote like a Hezekiah would vote. God, touch our nation. God, would you intervene in Alaska and in the United States of America? And we are asking that you would cause the people of God across every denomination to rise up throughout our nation and to let their voice be made known, not just this house, but every state, every city, every house of worship that proclaims Jesus is Lord and is based on your word, may they rise up and vote. Oh God, would you stir up the church, stir up the body of believers across our nation to speak out, to act, to be a Hezekiah at this moment in history, and would you bring about for the United States, for Alaska, what you did for the kingdom of Judah, 
Would you bring about a change away from paganism, away from the worship of Molech, away from greed and fear and sacrificing our families to pagan gods and philosophies and a turn to the living God. Hear us today, cry out from Wasilla. Oh God, save us as a nation. We pray today that you would raise up Esther's, Daniel's, Joseph's, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego's, people strategically planted in the highest offices to speak and act and intervene for the living God. That brings about a change in laws, a change in national mottos, philosophies, and elevates the living God as the one true God over the United States. Oh God, you're able to do that. Hallelujah. If you believe that, say amen and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.